What is going on, everybody? How we doing? Welcome back to another edition of the In The Round Podcast, episode 102, baby. Today, we got a very special guest, our boy, Joey Hyde. Talk about his new project that's coming, I Made a Record. That's the title. And uh, our boy Joey's been in town for a very long time, has done everything from playing guitar and as a musician to as a songwriter to as a producer to doing the artist thing. And uh, he's incredibly talented and super stoked for you all to hear our conversation with him on episode 102. Got to give a quick shout out to our friends in the apartment upstairs here at the studio, making all kinds of noise. I don't know who's living up there. Maybe it's an elephant. Maybe it's a big dog. I don't fucking know. But shout out to them for making all the noise. And shout out to our friend. We didn't get her name, but she is a um, an attendant at Mabco here in Tennessee in Hermitage, near where uh, myself and Sweet Boy live. And uh, Sweet Boy always likes to rep the brand, whether it's in the round podcast or DM Monday or any of our stuff. And uh, he was wearing the T-shirt, and uh, she said that she loves the podcast. So shout out to you for watching and listening. Shout out to everybody watching at home. Be sure to rate, like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your mama and them about what we do here at the In The Round Podcast. Also, I can show some love to our sponsors, our friend Grady Saxman from Saxman Studios out there in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. If you're an up-and-coming artist, you or manager looking for somewhere that your artist can record, you're looking for a songwriter to do demos, hit up our friends at Saxman Studios, Grady Saxman and the boys. They are the best. Next, we got our friends from Whale Tail Media, Whale's Tony. You saw him on episode 100. Um, he's killing it with Whale Tail Media, great friend and partner of ours. Be sure to check them out, whaletail.com. And last but certainly not least, our boy, Mitch Wallace from TDMA, the digital marketing agency. Content is so important in today's climate and world. Be sure to check out our boy, Mitch Wallace, TikTok, Instagram, photos, video, all that shit between Wales and Mitch and Grady. Everything you need as an artist here in Nashville, Tennessee. Check out our friends. Now, without further ado, we're going to get into it. Episode 102 with our boy Joey Hyde. Y'all are going to enjoy this one. Sit back, relax. This is the In The Round Podcast. What's going on, everybody? We have got our boy Joey Hyde here in the studio. Joey, how the hell are you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm real good. How about you? Doing good, man. I got... um. It's uh, it's good to be um, good to be back in town. I was out. I've been. I'm out on the road every weekend yeah. doing that stuff. So, and it's cool to be doing a morning podcast because usually by the end of the day, you're you're fucking you're fried. Wor- you're worn out. You're fried. And you're like, damn, I gotta talk for like an hour. Yeah, with a yeah. guest and give the best podcast that I can. So, doing it in the morning, fresh with a cup of coffee in me, and, exactly. and some Adderall, it feels having, good. Having <laughs> having a little uh, caffeine confidence helps with yeah. these kind of things for sure, man. Um, so you've got the new record coming out. You've been you just play one of our writers rounds. It was, mm-hmm. I, that was the first time we had met. Yeah, I'd, I'd never done that round. That was really fun. Was and cool you got event. to do it with your boy, Brian Fuller. Yes, I did. He was the one who called me that morning. And and we really appreciate you jumping in last yeah. minute. And yeah. you're, you're in you're in the, the early stages of dad life right now. You got a two-month-old at home. And so appreciate you coming out, taking the time um, to do that round last minute, yeah. like yeah, to get man. out of the house. Absolutely. It brought, does it feel good to get out of the house, though, sometimes? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's like... It, uh, d- dad life is still life you yeah. know you can't you know you can't be home and shut in all the time but you also want to be home yeah because she's cute as hell <laughs> and you want to be around her and and be involved and catch everything so yeah. it's a balance yeah what's what's her name ren ren yeah ren oh you got it that? yeah there I, you I, go. I did the i went ahead and did the the unemployable tattoos <laughs> couple weeks ago hell yeah <laughs> hell yeah dude that's awesome um how long have you been here in nashville Cause you're from michigan originally right yeah i've been here a while i moved here summer of 06 oh shit you're... so whatever that math is oh. 17 
what are we in? 20, so sixteen years. Dude, that is OG, yeah. OG. That's back when mm-hmm. you couldn't. When Broadway wasn't Broadway, and Demumbrian wasn't quite. quite the Demumbrian that it is now, where you had the Shonies and the yeah, the open yep. parking lot across yep, the yep. Um Yeah, and I, I mean, I was when I moved to town. I went to Belmont for a few years, um, but I was playing in a cover band by top of 07. So we were. I was like nineteen, and like my first gig was like the 10 to two at legends corner, you know, kind of thing. So the band I was in, we did legends, the stage we had every Thursday night for a few years at tin roof. Um, uh, where live Oak is now used to be a bar. It used to be half. That used to be two bars, like the bar in the middle. Too narrow. Yeah. So the one on the right, if you're looking at the front, I think, I think that's what it is. It was called on the rocks. And we played there on like Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday, I can't, I can't remember. It's a long time ago. Yeah. It's a lot of shows ago. But uh, we were at, on the rocks. We were at Tin Roof. We were at the stage. And then we also did, like, the SEC frat party thing. Okay, Like, yeah. fall and springtime, um, touring the southeast and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how I got my introduction to, like, playing live here that's a That's a good way to get your chops, especially to be playing for tourists in town, locals in town, which playing mm-hmm. in front of other musicians in Nashville, that's a big, that's a, that's a big thing because just yeah. the crowds are a little more, they're not like maybe as receptive and as wild as the drunk kids at Alabama or Auburn. Uh, I don't know, Nashville's nuts, Well, dude. I'm saying the tourists. I'm saying like the tourists versus like the other musicians. Like, yeah. like, like a crowd at Whiskey Jam isn't getting as wild as Lambda Kai down in Tuscaloosa. No, no, no. And like the other musicians thing like the nice thing about nashville is is it's supportive so like you'd go out and see your buddies and other bands yeah because you want to go support them it's not like yeah. checking out who's on your territory no, yeah, yeah, yeah. whose turf you got to take over yeah. it's not that kind of thing so like you know in back then like i wasn't even old enough to get in the bar so i couldn't go see other bands like yeah. i saw my band and whoever was on before us and that was it but the cool thing you know the band i was in like we had real touring musicians like i i was playing with you know, Sean Fuller, who's with FGL and Tyler Hubbard now playing drums. My buddy Josh Cross, who's with Justin Moore for 10 years. And uh, Kyle, our bass player, is with David Nail. Like, I had real touring musicians in my band um, and really learned a ton from them. And then, like, when we would play the stage 10 to 2, the band before us, like, Brooks and Dunn's bass player was in the band. And <laughs> their steel player, t- or yeah. sorry, Alan Jackson's bass player in... Brooks and Dunn steel player. I think like, so I got to see like some OGs in, in shit when I was like, load my gear in. So. Yeah. And that's just as important as the classes you were taking at Belmont. Pff, way more important. That's like, I the- didn't, I didn't really go to class. <laughs> that's how I kind of felt like with, with, where I, where I went to school, I went to this place called Ryder up in New Jersey yep. and yep. I ran the college radio station there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was going to shows and doing the whole radio guy yep. thing, like the radio promo thing and doing all that. I learned more from that than being in, being in, public speaking class or, yeah. the, or communication law or any of that. And really like the, like to me, the appeal of like a Belmont is just location, location, location. You know, you're at the mouth of music row. Literally. So like I didn't have to go far to go see some of the best talent in the world. Like I was amongst it. I was surrounded by, yeah. I wasn't a part of it yet, you know, and I still don't feel like I'm fully a part of it in a lot of ways, you know, um, but you're surrounded by it, and you can go see it and and, and witness it and, and learn from it in real time. Yeah, what was your first taste of Music Row? Was it as a writer? Was it as, like, an aspiring artist? Was it as, like, an, did you do one of those internships that a lot of Belmont kids do, or were you in, like, a studio getting your hands on the faders uh, and shit? None of it. All of it. Uh, my <laughs> first, like, I, like the, my first, like, real... Uh, 
kind of dive into it was my roommate freshman year. I went in blind, so I'd, I'd never met him. Uh, his name's Jeremy Brown. His dad is Jim Brown. Everybody calls him Moose here in town. And he yeah. wrote Five O'Clock Somewhere, plays keys in uh, guitar for Bob Seger. Oh, no big shit. Big session guy. Yeah. Um, keyboard session guy. And he would take me and Jeremy to sessions. So I was 18. I didn't even know the like sessions like that were a thing. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know being a staff songwriter and getting cuts on artists that you may have never even met before. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Um, so he would take us to sessions and like me and like he'd take me to lunch every once in a while and I'd he'd just let me pick his brain and and he was kind of the first person to to give me, you know, kind of the inside baseball dive into the weeds look. Um, look behind the curtain a little bit, but, uh, but in terms of hands on experience, um, my crew early on was like me and Aaron S. Heiss, Ryan Hurd, Matt McGinn, like the four of us were, were really, uh, in the trenches together before any of us had pub deals. So like, um, when I was playing in the cover band, Aaron and Ryan, cause me and Aaron lived together, they'd be writing so I'd, I'd wake up at like 11 because i was out till three or four yeah, playing that's, that's the downtown you know, yeah yeah it's life. that that yeah. kind of that kind of schedule so i'd wake up and they'd already be in the basement writing songs and i'd be in the kitchen and i could hear them through the through the floor i'm like damn dude i i wrote songs for like the bands i was in in high school and college like i want to fucking do that i want to hang out with them so like i kind of like pressed my way into their their situation to write with them and then Steve Mokler lived at the house with us oh, too. Sick, so dude. I love so Steve. writing with Steve and, and Steve was the guy like when we moved here that we were all like, oh fuck, that's how you write a song. Like he like he was the dude for us. Um so getting to kind of learn from him and learn from just the buddies who were starting to do it, but we were but most of us were doing it without pub deals. Nobody knew us on Music Row. So we started doing these rounds at uh uh Taps, Belcourt Taps, um, over in Oh, so you guys were OG Belcourt Taps. Yeah, okay. so, so we would do, so me, Matt, Aaron, and Ryan would do every, the last Tuesday of every month, and we'd book like a 7 p.m. round, an 8 p.m. round, then we'd go in at 9, and we'd literally play until we didn't have any songs left, people walked out on us, or we were too drunk to keep going, kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it'd be like midnight, one o'clock. Just a real jam and session. And like, there'd be like three thing. people left, like, play one more, and we're like, okay. Free you know, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it ended up becoming a thing um, that some industry people heard about and would come by, and like, we ended up kind of getting our pub deals around that time. Um, that was kind of the first, like, hands-on experience kind of thing. That's sick, dude. It's funny because I've I've talked about it on here a lot where like Nashville kind of has its its classes of people when they move here mm-hmm. and you find the people that you vibe with when mm-hmm. you move here. Like there's a group of kids that moved here last year that are all starting to do stuff. Yep. Like guys and girls that you see. And there's I moved here in twenty eighteen and mm-hmm. it's like I'm not a writer, a musician, or an artist. I'm I'm just really good at talking and I get enough <laughs> hang to be around and go out on the road with people. But it's like I'm seeing guys and girls that moved here around the same time as me. So it's cool to it's gotta be cool to kind of look back on those days 15 16 years ago to where you yeah. guys are all at now with like having doing doing the family thing guys are out there doing the artist mm-hmm. thing doing the producer thing mm-hmm. like to think back to those late nights where it grinding started. Yeah. and and living off of living living off that 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 broke musician like working your to working your way up what was do you remember your first cut as a writer 
my first like meaningful cut was with uh, the script Swan Brothers. Oh, sick! Yeah, and yeah. it was their first single when they got off the Voice. It was called Later On. So oh, dude, me, yeah, fucking hit. Uh, me and Ryan Hurd and our buddy Justin Wilson wrote that. It's so, a hit, dude. Yeah, that was the first like success I had as a songwriter. Yeah, and who was that first publishing deal with back in the Sony? Day? Oh yep. no shit! So I was at Sony for seven or eight years, something like that. Yeah. So I was there for a while. Yeah. That's sick, man. Did you ever jump in as like a track guy? Or was that kind of because you you had the producing thing going with the with the artist thing with the writing thing, or was track guy not really a thing until that, recently? The, the track thing came later. So I started um, again, like when me and Aaron Esheis, uh, who's one of my best buddies, he produces my stuff. Um, we're co-producing Megan Patrick together right now. Dude, hey, congrats um, on that. Megan's a good friend of ours. She's yeah, a badass, bro. She's That's a great yeah, project to be yeah, on. She's one of my best friends. I love Megan, but. Uh, Back then, so Aaron went to school for audio engineering, and he was, you know, assistant out at Castle Studios and assistant for some of the biggest engineers in town and was working on big records. So he had a rig at the house, and when he wasn't home, I'd just kind of noodle around and try to learn my way around Pro Tools and around that stuff. Um, but I didn't, like, dive into the track thing in, you know, having a home studio until uh, 2018, maybe. I started dabbling with it, 17 or 18, and then the pandemic, I really like dove in hard. Yeah. So I was I was running tracks on a lot of my rights. Once the pandemic sent us home, I had a space at the house, but that's when I really started like investing in it and like kind of living in that room yeah. for eight to ten hours a day and like really figuring shit out. Is that kind of what inspired the record? The I made a record thing was doing was having that home time to where you really had the full creativity. Yeah, where you're locked in kind of that room and you're. Did some of the stuff come from yes, that time? Some, some of it came from that. I don't know if that was like the catalyst to making the record, but it definitely played a huge role in the actual create creation process of the, of the songs, um, of the tracks and, and the production of it. But, um, really the, the inspiration for making a new record was I, I get super pissy every, like there's like a two to three year cycle <laughs> where I just get ornery and I hate everything and I think everything sucks. And then I look at my wife and I'm like, I need to make some music for myself. And she's like, God damn it. Thank you for finally recognizing it. Like <laughs> she knows I'm pissy. She knows I need to make something for myself because it's been too long and yeah. I just get the itch, but she just needs me to figure it out and say it. And then, it, you know, I eventually come to the, you know, the facts of, you know, I've been, I've been two years straight of just doing things for other people and other projects, which I really, really enjoy. And I love it. Um, but after a while you got to do something for yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Now, what was it? You've, You've put out music in the past, mm -hmm. right? So what? How is there a big difference from, say, Joey Hyde 10 years ago to Joey Hyde now in terms of the music or the inspiration or just how – do you think, like, there are different chapters of life? Because where you were back then to where you are now just in a life situation has got to be different. Yeah. So has, has the music changed for you? Not a ton, to be honest. I think it's better um, than it was in the past, and I think that just comes from, like, that blue-collar mindset of, like – putting your head down and getting your 10,000 hours and, and just writing another song and another song and another song and another song and making another record, and another record, and another record and making more tracks, 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 like yeah. just getting more experience so that you're just better at it. Um, but in terms of the style, I think I've had a thing. Cause your melodies are fucking insane. They just get uh, stuck. Thanks, they get stuck in my fucking head, which I love and I hate because I'm just, I'm uh, just humming them all along. Um, thank <laughs> you. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I've been doing a lot of the same core things 
for a long time now. Um, just think the songs have gotten better, and I've I've discovered who I am as a person more. Yeah. Um, and I think that shows more as you get more experience, and which means it shows more through this new record that's about to come out. Hell yeah! And there's um, you definitely have like some some rock rocking kind of influence in there. I think some of that comes from growing up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Like Michigan is such a rock. Rock place like yeah. Detroit Rock City and all of that stuff, and you got you got guys like like Kid Rock coming out of mm-hmm. there. You got guys like like Bob Seger. You mm-hmm. got folks that are coming out of that scene. You think coming from where you come from that kind of inspires the rock stuff, the, yeah. the some of the pop and like it, you didn't grow up in the South. I mean, Michigan does have some country areas, and it's very Michigan and it's blue collar it as country motherfuckers. It's blue collar as mm-hmm. fuck, and but there's more than just like the the southern gospel country music that a lot of our friends grow up listening yeah. to down here. So, what was it like growing up there, and how did that inspire you musically? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I never listened to country music till I moved here. I mean, my my house was very much rock metal. I mean, that was my dad. Yeah. Like the whole record collection is. Zeppelin, ACDC, Thin Lizzy, Rush, Sabbath, Ozzy, like I mean, like yeah, that kind stuff. of sh- that kind of shit. So like, yeah. like when I first started playing guitar, it was like I literally would go in the basement and move the needle on the record until I realized, oh, my dad has all these on CD, so that would be easier to rewind. Um, <laughs> just like learning riffs and learning guitar parts and learning solos and you know singing along, learning how to harmonize with them, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, like country was not an early influence on me, and it really wasn't until I moved here and started playing in that cover band because it was like, you know, hey, here's the set list, and it was like I'm 18, and it's like, hey, you have a week, ten days. Here's four yeah, hours yeah, of music that yeah. you got to learn. Yeah. I'd never heard these country songs. What, what was because it's funny our our producer over there, Matt Matt McElwain, he's got a mic as well, so he plays drums out in the road with us with with Trey, okay, but he's yeah. been doing a lot. He's been getting a lot of reps on. Broadway just yep. here in town doing the cover thing and he'll he's done it upwards of four or five days a week and like the songs that they're covering now I mean they're still like your staples of like the 80s 90s yep. 2000s country but what were what were some of those songs where like you guys were like you remember playing them consistently every yeah night? Like, what I mean was like 06 07 the Nashville cover scene like I mean like our like the top of our set would be like Jason Aldean she's country but we did like uh like a Rage Against the Machine Bulls on the Bulls on Parade <laughs> intro into it. I love it. that, dude. And then we'd go into like uh, Brooks and Dunn, and then we'd do an '80s tune. Then we'd do you know Pour Some Sugar on Me or something. Yeah. And then we'd do My Girl. And then we would do uh, Justin Bieber Baby. And then we would do <laughs> uh, Fuck yeah. you know you know th- then the state you know it, it was like we still had the staples you know the the Sweet Home Alabama. And Rocky Top and that that kind of but shit too, that was, but it that was, was pre, all over the place. That was pre bro country. It was man. I mean, like like country music. Got to think you were here from the era of when country music kind of changed over and yeah. had its had its most recent boom. Like the Garth, like Garth yeah. coming in the nineties, there was a boom. Then the two thousands, there was kind of a boom with like Chesney and Tim McGraw and those. Yep. But then FGL and those guys that are kind of in your around your class of being here made it go. Boom. Yeah, for Big sure. And, it, and it's funny, like if like to me, like as a guitar player, musician, like looking at like because like Brian and Tyler and FG, like I used to play guitar for him. I was like the first. I was actually the first person to play guitar on cruise live. No shit. Yeah, like we would rehearse in my really? basement. We uh, we would tour <laughs> in Brian's old Tahoe, pulling 
a trailer that Tyler had for his auto detailing business with his phone number on the side. Like, <laughs> like it was like poor man shit. No shit. Um, but I had a practice space in my house that I lived in in East Nashville, and just to save money, that like we'd rehearse there, so they didn't yeah. have to get a rehearsal space. Um, but like, kind of going back even further, like if you listen to like, like really like. The big and rich records, I think, like the music mafia stuff, like that style of guitar playing opened the door for FGL to be as rock and roll as they were. The ganjo. The ganjo. And that was more like to me, the ganjo was a little more like that was Keith Urban's thing. Yep. And that was his thumbprint. Um, and he used it in more of a pop sense yeah, than like anything. To, to be similar to what he was doing in Australia before he moved here, yeah. which was more that rock uh-huh, kind uh-huh. of thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like the stuff, like if you like save a horse, ride a cowboy, and then the Eldine stuff, because that's all the same guitar player on a lot of those records, like then it's, you know, Eldine and, and like before that, Gretchen Wilson, like that kind of opened the door to me to allow, you know, a group like FGL to just go, hold on, we're just going to rip this shit. Yeah, people are going to like this, you know, and they did it with some of the hookiest songs. And put out a record of nothing, nothing but, but number one bangers. Nothing but bangers, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was I was here for that. Um, what were some of those first, do you remember some of the some of the little shithole clubs those early days? Yeah, and honestly, going on the road? with FGL, like, because they had such a thing, um, like, guys like, uh, like Corey Smith and Brantley... And Colt Ford. Oh, yeah. The three of them saw the FGL thing. It was like, that's fucking dope. Like, come open for us. So we were actually doing like a 1,000 to 2,500 type venues opening for those guys because their sound fit within that world. You're like, your country and this? Your and country you hit, and something else? And you, you hit hard as fuck compared to everybody else. Oh, yeah. Like, like, yeah, jump on. Um so we were doing that, and then like like I remember we did a I think it was like St. Louis opening for Brantley, and it was like twenty five hundred people, two thousand or twenty five hundred. I think the pageant is that venue, and that was back when Brantley was partying. Uh, no, I think he maybe was, had just, had gotten j- just gotten sober. Just gotten sober. I can't remember, but uh, um, but like we played there, and then within six months we were doing a smaller club headlining. You know, they were doing a smaller club headlining, and they'd sell out three four hundred tickets like after playing only one show in that market. And that was before social media and before all that stuff where you could, you know, get something viral and people know about yeah. you from across the country. Like when you had to get on the road and actually play for people and, and they were earning fans immediately. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, I, I definitely saw that transition and I think it was just a commitment to a sound that some people had dabbled in that they went, no, no we're going to cannonball with cement shoes on into the deep end. Yeah. And we're gonna figure out how to fucking swim. Yeah, and, and, they, and opened, they killed it. And they opened the door for so many guys mm-hmm. and girls mm-hmm. that have become staples over the last decade. They yep. basically created the last decade. They had a they got a huge thumbprint on it. They really do. And, and you know, that's them and you know, Joey Moy producing oh, and, and Joey's yeah. brilliant. And uh, you know, on the business end, you know, Seth England over at Big Latin, like that like the Big Loud Seth, crew, like yeah. they're you know, they really saw the vision for and it. Chief over and Chief, Chief yep. was a huge guy. Now yep. Chiefs and it's gotta be wild to like just see all like think back to where all those guys were, mm-hmm. all those guys and girls, 
back in those days. And now they're, they have their hands in guys like Morgan Wallen, yep. Chief with Bailey Zimmerman. There's yep. guys like it's just seeing it kind of continue. And yeah. you remember when those guys were starting out and first investing because yeah. those guys all come from the rock world with with the Nickelback stuff, with mm -hmm. the butt rock yeah, stuff. Yeah, a lot of it. So yeah. it's wild. To, it's got to mm -hmm. be wild to just see Great that, songs, man. great songs. You know, no matter what genre they're in, if they yeah. fucking bang, people are going to listen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so who are who are some um so for you with this record, are you looking to get out there and start touring and yeah, doing, man. The, uh, doing that stuff? Yeah, totally. I mean, I like I don't really have a drive fifty five speed. It's like I'm I'm pretty much on a hundred most What's of the time. That was a Sammy Hagar song, wasn't it? Yeah, I can't drive fifty five. <laughs> uh so you know, I'm like I'm not doing this just for shits and giggles. You know, it's like the goal has always been, you know, top of the charts, Madison Square Garden, that kind of shit. Fuck and yeah. you know, it's like whether I hit it or not, like that's another discussion. But like, I don't want to go into something half-ass. Like yeah. that doesn't—that's not fun to me. You know why? Just like, I don't want to hang out in the shallow end. Like, I, I, like I want to be, you know, meaningful with what I'm putting out to the world. Because it's like I only do this. Like record cycles are small, are, are long now. You know, like it, it it takes a lot of time to like finally get a record out. You know, I've been here for 15 years, 16 years, and this is the first full-length record I've ever made. Yeah. You know, like. There's a lot of culmination into this moment. But it's so, not like you've just been sitting on your ass doing nothing. No, like no, you've been, been working, you've been a lot. working yeah, yeah. in so many different yeah. elements. And it's like all those paths of going down those roads that you've gone down have led you to this moment of yeah. doing your own damn thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, and like going back to like FGL, like those guys, they just knew it. Like they knew their lane. They knew what they did and they were so smart about it. And it, and obviously there were hiccups along the way and there's challenges with everyone's career, but they, they, they kind of had a, a straight line through the forest a little bit and saw the light of like, that's what we do. Mine has been way more zigzaggy because I, you know, I produce records and that takes time. I write songs for other people and that takes time. And, you know, like. I've toured with a ton of people playing guitar and like that takes time. Who are some other folks you've been out on the road with where you've just seen some shit? Um, I don't know how much shit I've well, seen. Not, well, not uh, shit. Well, I'm, but I'm like saying playing like shows going to different crowds yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you were, out um, with, you were out with BK and Tyler. Yep. So, uh, even so going back before, so it was like I went from lower Broadway and doing like the cover band thing. My first road gig, actually, I played bass for a Disney artist out of LA. So I was 20 and was the turned 21. It's this kid that was on the Hannah Montana show, Mitchell Musso. Um, <laughs> oh shit, so, I think I remember. I think I remember. He had like the, the Bieber kind of haircut. Yeah, right? like black like, Bieber yeah. hair. Yeah. He did a music thing? Yeah. Um, so I played bass for him. I actually lied and said I played bass and I didn't like own a base, so that kind of thing. Tip for everybody out there: um, if you don't, if, yeah, if you really need lie a to get the job, learn and then you learn and then figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, How long were you on that gig? About a year, um, and got off that. Went back to Lower Broadway for a minute, and then played guitar for an artist that was on BBR for a little bit. Did like the radio tour and the the club circuit, and that was my first like real country touring who is, gig. Who was that? Uh, this guy James Wesley. Okay, um, I remember that. So I was out with him for a while. And then during all of that, like with leftover pocket change money from gigs, I was saving up and making demos of my stuff. And ah. that was stuff that Aaron Essice was producing. Yeah. And luckily he was like assistant at the castle and at Ocean Way in spots. Like we could get in late night if no one was in where there. Where the stars just kind of aligned. I've had yeah. other friends where they were, whether they were at Belmont and they were had access to the yeah. Belmont studio, yep. like my buddy Alex Maxwell. He was able yep. to have like Ryan Nelson, Jordan Fletcher, yeah. like all Joe, like all. Like, again, mm -hmm. just the stars aligning, utilizing your resources as much as you can in those early stages. Yeah, and, and just 
grinding. Yes. Um, so it was like, you know, made my first demos, and we were living with Steve Mokler at the time. He was more established than than we were uh, in the the music row scene, the game. Uh, so he was at BMI. So he introduced me to uh, Beth Laird when she was still there. Um, showed her some songs. She's like, there's something here, but these aren't very good. So keep working. And I was like, all right. So kept working. And like a year and a half later, I went in. I was like, hey, I made an EP. She's like, ooh, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean like spend money on this shit. And then showed her and she's like, oh, okay, we got something here. And then she set me up with, you know, a bunch of meetings in town with publishers and uh, got my pub deal off that. But before I signed my pub deal, to make enough money to like pay rent and utilities. That's when I was playing with FGL. And then when I signed my pub deal, I think I had like a hundred dollars left until I maxed out my credit card. So like just snuck in before I had to like <laughs> Damn, yeah. figure something out. Um, go sell my body or something, but, uh, <laughs> which I don't think anybody would pay for, but, uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> somebody for everybody. Yeah. Um, but, uh, then when I got my pub deal, I would still fill in with FGL if they needed me. They had another guitar player, but if he had another gig, I'd go jump in and hang out. Yeah, and in the rotation, in. yeah. Yeah, and then from there on out, it was like it was more focused on my stuff. So it was like I was writing, had the Swan Brothers hit, and then got a record deal at Universal, and that lasted for about a year and a half. It was really short. Yeah. Um, and then went back to just the writing room and staff writer. Uh, in there, like I played a couple gigs with Marin. I played, I toured with Ryan Hurd for a while playing guitar for him. And like, I filled in for Ryan earlier this year. Like his guitar player got COVID on like Thursday. And he was like, Hey, you want to be in the Ryan Hurd band again? It's like, sure. Is Teddy got to miss one in a couple weeks? He's like, no, Teddy has COVID. I need you on the bus tonight. And I was like, oh, all right. Shit. So I, you know, learn the 18 song set and go play for the weekend. Are there still some old songs in there from back in the day? There was you a remember? couple. I, I thought I would know more, um, but most of them were from the new record, which I'd never played yeah. outside of the one that I wrote on there. Uh, so it was like the second he sent me the set list, I was like, oh, shit, I got to buckle down and learn this stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like with him, um, you know, so so yeah, I've I've kind of jumped around on the playing scene a bit. You know, I play in this band called Hey Steve every once in a while. I'm actually playing this weekend with them because yeah, they needed someone to fill in. Where are they at? Uh, I think we're in like Louisville or something. Oh, I, nice. I don't know. He like my buddy Luke Dick, who is yeah, yeah, front man yeah. for the band. Yep. Uh, he produces Miranda and a big hit writer for yeah. Eric Church and you know Miranda and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, he's like, hey, uh, kind of fucked. Can you come play this weekend? I was like, yeah, sure. You know, it sounds fun. You know, <laughs> yeah. so like after this, I'll go home and keep learning those tunes for the set. No you shit. Know? So it's, I still like jumping into that world because it's fun. You know, I moved to town to play guitar. I want to play guitar for people. Yeah, you know, it's how, fun. How important did you, do you think it is doing the Swiss Army Knife thing where you kind of learn a little bit of fa every facet of it? Because you're going through the process of writing the song, you, mm -hmm. whether it's for you or somebody else, mm -hmm. whether it's the staffing or, or for, for your own yep. projects, then you're producing for other people or in mm -hmm. the studio with your, with, with yourself. And then you're out on the road playing songs that either mm -hmm. you wrote that you, that you really didn't have a part in, or it's your own stuff. Uh -huh. Like you're doing all facets of the music creation process from the beginning to the to the studio part to being out there playing it on the road. That's yeah. pretty fucking cool, dude. Yeah. And I mean, back to like, I, I don't know if it's necessarily important because like, 
I have plenty of friends that are great at one thing. Yeah, and, they're and just, that's and yeah. they're fucking killer at it. Yeah. So when anybody needs that one thing, they get the call. Well, I'm saying for you to which be at awesome. the, I'm saying for you to be at the point you're at now to have had as many experiences as you've had in so many different avenues. Like it's got to be fun. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like for me and my personality and just my skill set and experiences, like that keeps this thing this music thing fun for me after being professional for 12ish years and doing it since I was 10 to some extent you know whether it's just learning to play or you know whatever um so i mean i've i've been mus- in music to some extent for 22 years and being able to change hats and you know yeah. get different experiences with different people like that's really important to me um t- to because I want to make music with a bunch of people that I like, you know, like if someone called me to play guitar and I don't like their music, I'm, I'm at a point now where I don't have to do that. Like yeah, it's, it's not, the, it's not the moneymaker. That's more of like filling the cup back up, yeah. you know, like it's good for the soul for me to go out with someone like Luke and the band Hey Steve, because I'm going to go to the show anyway. It's like they're playing here in town next month. And I'm not playing. I'm going to the show as a fan to enjoy it because I fucking love his music. I love. He's one of my favorite creative people. And if I get to share the stage with him and the other two guys in the band who are brilliant musicians, and just get my rocks off, fuck yeah, yeah. You know. And then like even like learning the tunes, like it takes it takes a minute. So it's twenty something songs in the set. Like it's it's a real headline show, and it's like it takes some some prep work. But like digging into those parts, the way Luke approaches music is totally different than the way I approach music. So I'm going to learn things by learning those parts. Like, God, I would have never done it that way in a million years, but that's really cool. And that could work in my song over here with this part, you know, and like finding new creative ways to do the thing that I've always been doing. And I think a lot of that comes from getting as many opportunities to play with great players and singers and creatives. Yeah. What's the importance of walking through an open door, especially when you first move to town? Uh, it's, it's like taking those opportunities when you like first get just advice. We have a lot of like young writers, artists, producers, content creators that are here in Nashville that watch and listen to this thing. So like going, taking opportunities and like things like that. Like where were some places early on where like, were you hanging out at Tin Roof? Were you going to Whiskey Jam when that first started? Mm -hmm. Like where were some of your networking spots? I mean, for me, a lot of that early on. I was at those places because I was playing there already. You know, I got really, really, really lucky and blessed and fortunate that I met my buddy Josh Cross within like two or three days of being at Belmont, two or three days of being in Nashville, and he had a gig on Lower Broadway. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the no, ghost, the ghost got us. Um, <laughs> but uh, and. I could sing really high. The other guitar player couldn't do background vocals, so he got me the gig because they needed someone to cover the 80s shit and the high harmonies. So I basically just played rhythm for him while he shred the whole night, and I got to watch him shred and learn. So, like, like I was hanging out, you know, but I was working. Um, and then really, like, I kind of found a lot of my inner circle people really early. So, like, you know, me and Aaron S. Heiss, like, we go – back to freshman year in the dorms uh my buddy mike walker who i wrote with this week like we go back to the dorms you know ryan heard was one extension because him and aaron went to high school together ryan was a sophomore at belmont so ryan would come hang at the house before i even really knew him they're michigan guys as mm-hmm. well right yep they're kalamazoo so a little south of where i grew yeah. up Derek Jeter country. Um, yeah Derek Jeter. there you go yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, see ya. um and then 
uh, Mokler was a good buddy of ours because my roommate played guitar for him. So he was at the house all the time. Then he ended up moving in with us. And then Matt McGinn was his buddy from the East Coast. So when Matt would come to town, he'd stay at our place. So then I became friends with Matt. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And now, like, it grows. And then you got to shrink it at some point, too, to, like, these are the people that are actually meaningful to me being the best creator I can be and the best human I can be too. Like you got to cut some of the riffraff out because, and that's to me, like, I mean, I'm, I'm in my thirties now. It's like, that's kind of what my twenties was, was like figuring that shit out, you know, and going out and maybe overextending, maybe saying yes to things that like I didn't have time for, but if you got to figure out how to make 25 hours in a day, you fucking do it, you know, when you're on that grind. And now I'm at an opportunity where like, and I'm by no means like, Ashley Gorley as a writer or Joey Moy as a producer or, you know, Luke Combs as an artist. Like, I'm not that dude in at anything I do, but I've gotten to a point where I'm able to go, that doesn't sound like a good opportunity. That doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound like something that fits my skill set or something yeah. that I could really enhance. So I'm going to say no. You know, you get to a point where you can do that, but you've got to learn what your skill set and in what your what your value is by doing a bunch of shit to start. So yeah, yeah I mean like even if the door's not fucking open, go kick that bitch. Like <laughs> like yeah. like that's part of it. Like like no one's going to open shit for you. Like you got to go break the doors down to some extent. So it's like find your crew, find the people who push you and you trust and you make great art with and then go beat the fucking town into submission. Like that's really the only option. Yeah. To me to me at least. To to having success doing yeah, this. Yeah, and, and also and even beyond success like having a fulfilled meaningful life in this because like there's a lot of people with way more success than me that are way less happy and find way less joy in it and have more you know, ups and downs and swings. And that, and that was me in my twenties. Like I, like I wrote hard, man. So it was like the highs were high and the lows were fucking getting low. a song on hold and it not getting cut and, and, that, and like it, the ups and downs. Of yeah. That and and, and then a, even with like personal life stuff, mental health, all, yeah. all of that. And it's like, it wasn't really until I like, cause like I used to be up, you know, going to the bars and closing them down almost every night and that red, kind of red, thing. Red door regular. Yeah. Losers yeah, regular, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was important to like go hang and be social and do all that, but I wasn't taking care of myself on the back end. So along with that, I was eating burritos and sitting on my you know ass all day. So it was like I was unhealthy, I was unhappy. It wasn't really until I like kind of felt like I could step out of that scene and not miss opportunities because I'm not there all the time. No, no, losing the FOMO. Yes, um, and then you know going to a wake up at six routine. And like, I mean, even before I had my baby, like me and my wife, it's like we were up between 5.30 and 6.30. We do the gym so we can kind of get a W for the day, especially in the music business because like we live off of nose being shoved down our fucking throats all the time. Yeah. Like my m- most of my day is being told that song wasn't good enough. That person didn't like that. That missed the mark. That wasn't there. Like – Close, swing batter, batter, fucking strikeout, like constantly. <laughs> yeah. So like until how, how'd you meet your wife? Real quick. Uh, we were we were mutual friends through like we had a pretty big group of, of yeah. friends. So like, um, we would just see each other at parties and hangs and stuff. Yeah. And he, 
eventually I was dating a girl for a long time and when we were broken up, I always thought she was hot. So how'd you how'd you shoot your shot? Um I don't fully remember, but it was probably obnoxious as shit. Um <laughs> I remember her telling me no a lot until she finally said fine and then next thing she knew I put a ring on her. Hell yeah. She still think she doesn't realize what happened. <laughs> Thank God. Um she's an angel. Uh but uh you know, it really it wasn't until I like kind of took my life in my hands and went like, okay, how do, what do I need to do to be happier? You know, fuck music, fuck career, all that like and I and I was still doing all of that. I didn't like take a break by any means. Yeah. But I was like, all right, I'm just gonna start getting up at six. I'm gonna see how this goes. And it sucked. It was awful. It was not fun. I was bored and tired and hated it. But after a while, you're like, oh, that, like for me, and it's not the same for everybody. It's like this feels really good. And going to the gym and like getting a vi- like doing the hardest thing I'm gonna do all day first. Going and then I'm like, oh, you don't like the song? I don't fucking care. I got plenty of other ones. I'll write yeah. a better one. I don't give a shit anymore. Um, so it was more just like the, like taking care of your mentals a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And you talk about like talking about your crew back in the day, a guy that's in my crew that, um, or kind of in my crew, we, we were, we moved the town right around the, right around the same time. Um, and he's actually how you and I met talk about Brian Fuller. Um, how'd you get linked up with him and just how he, to me, he's like been one of the best kept secrets in town. The kid, kids got, kids got, got it all. Mm -hmm. And he's still like figuring it out it seems like he's really like found his kind of sound to what he's going for and you're a big part of that um i one of my publishers courtney allen uh just texted me his song that he put out run uh ran in the family yes um was like hey she's like i met this kid he's got a really cool story i love his voice i think this song is great um would you want to write with him check it out so i listened to it and called her i was like yeah like this is dope. Where the fuck is this dude been? She's like, he's still pretty new, still pretty fresh. Um, so me, so we just got a date to write. I'd never met him. He came to the house and it was me, him and my buddy, Neil Medley, uh, who I wrote made for you with, yeah. um, for Jake Owen, but the three of us, and he came in swinging, man. He like, it was, uh, that, uh, Burn, burn me out song that that Fuck Brian just yeah. put out. So it's the first time I met him, first song we wrote, and that was his hook. Like he had a lot of that already cooking, and we get in the room, and you know he was he brought the heat, but he allowed me and Neil to use our years of experience to like, hey, what if we shaved this? That's a cool line. It doesn't quite get us to here where we need to go. Like and he's soaking it all the, up. and he was like, yeah, 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 soaking yeah. It all but then up. like if That's I it. would throw something out and he was like, man, I wouldn't do that. He still had the confidence to tell me someone who's higher on the, you know, the pecking order than him. Like, yo, that's not me. And I, hell yeah, dude. Like tell me to shut the fuck up. I love it. You know, yeah. like we're not going to make this great song for you if you don't tell us if it's you or not. And he, and he was so great at that. Um, and then we wrote a couple, like one or two more times and he asked me, he was like, Hey, I'm about to cut the CP. Uh, would you mind helping with production for, you know, uh, Birmingham? And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. Just let me know what you need. And I called him the next day. I was like, yo, tell who's producing? Where are you doing this at? Like, just give me the rundown of what you're doing. And he, he was talking about, like, what he was going to pay and, and, and where he was going to go and all this stuff. And, and I was like, let me just throw something else out. And this isn't like a fucking pat on my back or anything. I'll, I'll get to the selfish part. Um, I was like, Hey, what if you, what if I do the whole EP? Don't pay me. Don't give me, like, don't give me anything. We won't sign a contract. You owe me nothing. You keep it all. And the money you save 
by not paying me for production, we can get a real mix engineer. And, you know, we got my buddy Jason Lenning who mixed my record. He, uh, he mixes all this stuff, a lot of the stuff for Luke Dick. And that's how I met him. Um, but, uh, Jason had just finished the new Miranda record mixing that. I was like, listen to that record. You want to sound like, and he's like, yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. I was like, okay, don't pay me, pay Jason. So that when you get your song on a playlist, you're beating everybody's ass kind yeah. of thing, you know, like, like let's make this real pro. Um, so we, uh, we're pretty much done with that EP. I think I just kind of make some mixed tweaks and master the last song. Um, but, uh, and he's kind of just become like little brother to me. Like my wife's is like, you know, calls him our son, you know, kind of like, like, <laughs> like he'll, like he's the nicest kid. He'll text yeah. me on a Saturday. Just like, Hey man, I just hope you're having a good day. Okay. And his little dog Thanks. Cobalt yeah, is just yeah. the man. Adorable. Like he's he's and he's just got a great heart. He's got something to say. He's got a great voice. And like selfishly, I hope he's the next fucking Luke Combs because yeah. then I can be his guy and make a ton of money off him. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also like we're in an era right now, and this is gonna sound very like get off my lawn, crotchety old man shit, but like we have a lot of content creators that are trying to pull the wool over our eyes that they're artists yeah you know and and they might make something cool but they don't really have anything to say or anything to give us that we need yeah. kind of thing and i think there's a difference and, and i'm not i don't say that to dog content creators or you know artists are because there's a ton of shit ass artists out there too yes. you know yeah um and there's a lot of really fucking great content creators. Yeah, it goes both ways. But yeah. those are two different things. And I think right now there is a a little bit of a dilemma in town of people thinking that the great content creators are great artists. And those are separate things. Sometimes they like they can be, but sometimes the great content creators are being lifted into this great artist, the great new artist, you know, thing that they're just not. And because they're not artists inherently they, they don't actually have something to say and to give they just have the following and the vessel for it to get out there a little bit more than Which, the person that has the great song and the potential because yes. they're, they're not there yet these guys already have the following and, and they have the else. following in the vessel because they created really great content yeah. things that people want to see which is vital and which is important and which is difficult to do like yes. it's not easy to get a bunch of fucking likes on something yeah. and to get a bunch of fucking followers and subscribers that's really hard to do I'm fucking awful at it. Yeah. <laughs> you <same>. know, <laughs> I'm fucking terrible yeah. at it. Uh, so that is a skill within itself. But I, I just, I, I'm seeing a lot of blurry in between of people thinking one is the other. And then artists being forced to be content creators when it's like, that's not their thing. And so with Brian, I think he's a fucking great artist. Um, and I think we just need some more of that in our yeah. in our community in our well, town. Well, I, well, it's there. It just needs its way to come through again because yeah. the artists have and there's a lot of that. Been in here, town. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people like that. You know, and and that's okay. Like it's always been like that. You know, it's just yeah. a different, as you said, a different vessel to get some of that stuff to explode. But you know, if I can be a part of helping what I think is good art get out there then yeah i want to is that a rewarding thing now for you and kind of like a full circle thing going back to because you've, you've been doing the producer thing that's been like something that you've done for a yeah, while yeah, for but while. to do it now at the stage in your career and your life where you're at or like you're not going out all the time you've you've got the family like you're yeah. in your you're in your 30s obviously you're doing your own artist thing and and we're really fucking excited for all that <laughs> stuff and you're and you've got your own stuff going out you're gonna be going out doing shows doing all that stuff but to see a young kid like like brian come mm -hmm. along and be able to 
be that big brother or as Brian calls you dad. Kind yeah, of thing. Wait, wait, yeah. I, I mean, it's got to be cool. It it is, and it's like, and and like I said, like, yeah, it's nice to give back, I guess, but like selfishly, it's really rewarding for me. That's you know? what I'm because, saying. The reward, yeah, you know. So it's like I don't want to make it sound like I'm just this amazing philanthropist of music row. Like I'm not. I'm not fucking. I'm not that fucking guy. Um, but I just really like. Brian, it's like the yeah. only person I've done this with because I he just we crossed paths at the right time and it felt like a good connection and it made sense to me to like I can pour some energy into this, help him make it great, and just kind of be there for him. Like if he has questions, if you want, you know, whatever, you know, because because I have had the record deal, I have been out on the road, I have done radio tour, I have done, you know, I, I know all the sh- a lot of the streaming service people now. I know, like I've I've kind of worn all of these hats that he's, you know, now doing and starting to jump into. It's like if I can be there just like a sounding board and help him make some cool fucking music and save a little money doing it like fuck yeah That's and it's music that you believe cool. in and you genuinely like yeah. the songs like like burn me out my honey to me is like one of his yeah i remember when he he played that song on this podcast two or three years ago at my house in laverne in my spare room and he had written that song and it's like to see it come out now like brian's had it and it's, it's cool to see you working with him and everything. So let's talk about. Um, I made a record. Yep. Um, when's do we have a do we have a date on when that's coming out or like a yes. process of all that stuff? February some shit. I, I can't <laughs> and then are you working with like a team on it or are you kind of doing everything on it? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know. Still, um, hold on, hold on. Release schedule. I have it here somewhere. Uh, the record's coming out on February seventeenth. Let's go. Top of next year. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, in terms of team, like I don't have a manager, I don't have a label, um, so it's it's really me and my wife doing everything. Um, we're working with a marketing company called Gorilla Marketing, just because I'm fucking trash ass at socials. And I don't understand it. I'm too old for this and shit. You're busy and with a lot of shit. And like, I'm, it and I'm working. To take a load. I'm off. working, yeah. and when I have free time, I want to hang out with my fucking kid and my wife. Yeah, so it's like as you should. Yeah, and like go catch up with my friends and that kind of stuff. So I, I, I just don't think in that world of like, oh, this is something that I should, you know, get on camera or whatever and put it out to the world. Would like to see this. I just don't think like that. Um, so and they're they're great. They're helping kind of coach me through what that needs to be because you have to have that if you want to be a successful artist like you like they absolutely go hand in hand now you can't have one without the other so i need to get better at that so we hired them we're working with them um but really it's you know me and my wife you know we've we've both been in the business for 15 16 years here and we we kind of know everybody at this point or the person that we need to talk to to get to the somewhat like so it's really just like, for me, it was like, I knew I needed to make something. I wanted to make great art. Initially, it was going to be an EP. And then me and my producer, Aaron, uh, we were up in New York City last year. We just went for like an overnight trip to go see the Springsteen one-man show on oh, Broadway. Oh, sick, yeah. So we just went up, got hotel rooms, saw the show, got fucked up, flew home the next day. <laughs> so I'm talking to him about like cutting new music. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I want to do this EP and he, he had just enough in him. He's he's a real quiet guy, but he had just enough in him to be like, fuck your EP. I didn't build a studio on my fucking house to make EPs. We're making a fucking record. You're not making anything. <laughs> and when Aaron talks, he listens. So I was like, all right, cool, make a record. So we started talking about what it would look like, and it was, you know, initially like eight or nine songs. I'm like, hey, what about this one instead of this one? He's like, 
Why instead do both? Okay, so that's ten, and then all of a sudden it's fourteen songs, you know. And we got Bowling. like it's a real, it's a real bona fide motherfucking record. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I like up front, it was just like I just need to make this. I just need to do this creatively for me. And then once it's done, that's when I just go, ah, oh, fuck, because I don't know what to do. Um, and that's where my wife is really brilliant and helps me and 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 steps in and stays on my ass about doing the right things. And now with gorilla helping me, cause I'm terrible at socials. Like, like that's, that's incredibly helpful. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, back long way to get back to, yes, it, it's just us, you know, just doing it cause we love it. And we think we know how to do it. We kind of do. We kind of don't. It's we'll as much, figure it out. It's as much. We made a record as it was. I made a record. Oh yeah. With you, it, and here's the you, thing. Wife, here's Aaron. the thing. Like, like there is no record without my, my wife. There's no record without Aaron and Derek. There's no record without the players. You know, Miles McPherson and Phil Lawson and Tony Lacito and Dave Cohen and and those cats and the co and, and, and the, the co writers. Like, there's no record without them. Are there some songs on there that are older or are they all yeah. relatively? Yeah, I mean, new? the oldest one is one that me and Aaron and Marin Morris wrote back in like 2015. You got a Marin Morris cut on there? Uh, yeah, and it's something like <laughs> this is back That's like wild. I don't like I don't even know I. I I don't even know if my church was out yet. Like we were all just homies, you know? So like I had a house over on the East side, me and Aaron lived in and it was like a three story, like, like tall and skinny. And the third floor was just this big open space that I turned into my bedroom and it had like a walkout patio. So I put like a big record console in there. And when people would come over, we'd go party up in my room in the patio, whatever. And people would get fucked up. And just like, if you couldn't go home, just crash. I'll, I'll, put a sleeping bag down something it's like old school 20 shit yeah we do that and then the next day we'd write songs you know kind of thing and that particular day was me aaron and Marin, and you know we wrote this tune called drunk plans that i'm putting out um and it's always just been a fun one that we've always kind of gone back to like god that second verse is funny like that's cool like yeah it's kind of the quirky song on the record yeah. um and Marin was cool enough to come do background vocals on it um <laughs> yeah, that's sick but uh but yeah so that was like 2015 and then there's stuff as recent as like you know top of this year when we'd already cut half the record and i was like is this cool He's like yeah let's fucking go in and cut it like like we have the means we can we can move freely we don't have to book the studio because aaron's got the space there and then i can do the overdubs at my house yeah we vocals at my house or his house we can do guitars at Derek's studio whether at home or his office studio like we have the means to do all this stuff quickly and fluidly let's so, use our resources so let's just yeah. just keep keep doing it and if we don't like it at the end we don't have to put it on the record you know um and there were a couple teams that I was like, I don't know if this is going to end up making it. And uh, Jason Lenning did uh, mix the whole thing. Aaron mixed track one and track 14, and then Jason did two through 12. He That's did the chunk sick, of it. Yeah. Um, and there was, I, I know one specifically that I was like, man, I love this song. I don't know if we cut it right. I don't know if it's going to make it. And then once Jason mixed it, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, this guy's dead. You know, this is dope. <laughs> you know? So, so yes, definitely like takes a village kind of thing. And you know, we made a record, and then I just called it I Made a Record. Because yeah. I'm selfish. <laughs> What's something that um, you would tell um, 18, 19 year old Joey Hyde just moving to town? You would that you know now that uh, you would tell yourself back then. Drink less and go work out. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like I was always a hard worker, and I've always had a lot of different jobs, and you know, within the the music thing, you know, whether it was going on the road and playing for people or writing songs or being in the studio or what, like I always grinded. Um, I just didn't take care of my mental health, you know, in terms of, and, and I like, I'm very lucky and blessed that like, I, I don't actually have depression. I don't actually have anxiety. Like I have friends with those things and it's, it can be debilitating. It can, it can really knock you out. Yeah. Um, but I would 
drink myself, not sleep myself, and worry myself into those things, in, into those feelings. And I I think I put this like romantic idea on the troubled artist. And I think a lot of people, especially young creatives, do that. They they think they have to struggle to be able to create. And now that I'm not struggling, and I don't even mean that from like a financial standpoint. I mean that from like mental health. I have a routine. Like I'm up at six, I go to the gym, I get home, I hang out with my baby, I pick up my house, I do an hour or so worth of work before my co-writers come. They come, we write a song, I stay in the studio for a few more hours, then around six o'clock, I'm fucking done. I'm eating dinner with my family, giving my baby a bath, giving her a bottle, putting her to bed. Me and my wife hang out for an hour. We go to bed. Like it's <laughs> that's that's as great as it can possibly and, and, get with with fun stuff yeah. mixed in. Oh on yeah, certain and, I, and then I pick my moments when I go on the porch and I drink a case of fucking beer, <laughs> you know, and sleep <laughs> on the couch. Yeah. Like there's still some <laughs> yeah. of that, you know, because that's still innately in me to some extent. And I still go out and see my friends and and do it. Like I think I'm gonna grab lunch with a bunch of buddies after this because I'm in town and yeah. I'm not at the house working, working, working. You know, so there's still fun stuff. We take trips, we do all that. But like when it comes to the day to day, every moment doesn't have to be this wild, like, gotta go. It, like, get this. And do, like, if, if, like, if I could go back and tell myself, it'd be put the blinders on a little more. Like, you don't have to be out all the time. Go to bed, go to fucking sleep. You know, don't stay up till two. And then in the morning, stop sleeping. Wake the fuck up and go do something. Yeah. You know, just go walk around the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, clear your head, get your body moving, and you'll your work will get better. You know, at least at least in my experience, the work got better because I got more focused on what works for me and how to function at a higher level, you know, kind of thing. So really it it has nothing to do with music or the industry or networking or Go, 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 go. It has to do with stop, you know? Hell I was yeah. putting a lot of focus on the wrong things. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that comes with maturity and time being in town and, and working through all that shit. Now, a couple of Nashville questions. Yeah. Um, you're um, the, most, um, the most overrated food spot where everybody kind of goes. You're doing overrated, underrated, because you've been in town for a while, so you've yeah, seen things I mean, come and go. Overrated in general is just hot chicken. Hot chicken? Not yeah. your thing? It's just stupid. Like, the spices don't actually add flavor. It just adds unnecessary heat. And I like spicy. I would say hot chicken in general. Um, the line wrapped around Hattie B's But, like, Hattie B's Midtown, <laughs> most overrated. Yeah. Fuck off. Mo most underrated. Uh, Shohan. Indian restaurant across from 12th and Porter. It's Manit Shohan's restaurant. She has, like, three restaurants right there. But Shohan Indian food is the best restaurant in town. Period. Every birthday and anniversary, me and my wife go. We'll really? go. We'll go have Christmas dinner there. Like, <laughs> like we're nuts. We love it. Hell yeah! Um, are you a Mexican food guy? Love Mexican. Food. Where's your favorite spot? You're not. A, are you a Chewy's guy? Or for me, we, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a shit. We like Chewy's. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Um, but we have one at like we have just like a cheap little Mexican place at the end of our street that we go to. It's like you know, I don't even remember. Las Maracas yeah. over in East. Like. It's not great, but it's yeah, quick. You're like, in and out in 30 minutes. All around here. Um, They're fast. Fuck yeah. it. Go home. Favorite, like if you're going to hang out um, at, at night, favorite bar right now? Because I'm sure that's changed as your time in town has gone on. Yeah. And, you, and, you and, don't, and you're at the stage you're at now, it's different. Were, were Red Door and Losers big things back in the day? Or was oh, yeah. It, or, I mean, you were here, oh, for, yeah. You were here mean, for Blue Bar? You were here for yeah, all those Yeah, I was here places. for Blue Bar. Um, yeah, we did Midtown a ton. Um, I avoid Midtown now. It's a little too hectic for me. Um 
I mean, my favorite bar is still Red Door East. I've I've been in East Nashville for over ten years. So, oh, like, so yeah, Red Door East is my spot, and then the Village Pub, like those two, because I can I can walk to Village Pub. So yeah, I was like, get on my bike or and something. And it's a chill vibe of you're not running into the crazy tourists or the folks yes. in town for a Vanderbilt yes. game or a Titans game or yes. a Bachelorette party or yes. this that and the other thing. Which Midtown didn't used to, wasn't always like that, was no, it? No, not back in the day. Well, because we weren't like a tourist haven like we are now. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like. I'll hang in five points if I'm like going for it. Is that your favorite pizza? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, so yes, in terms of like just grabbing a slice. Yeah. Um, Smith and Lentz across the street on Main Street. It's a bar that does pizza, but it's got like the bar pies, like with like thin crust not, kind of stuff. Not quite that. Um, it's just fucking good. They do like a hot honey pepperoni drizzle thing that's just right. not Mac McElwain, make notes of this. We're gonna have to go there. Smith buddy. and Lentz. It Smith is a Lentz. like they don't advertise the pizza, but it it is sneaky, like the best flavor pizza in town. In my oh, shit. What was um you got to watch Whiskey Jam come out? What was some of your early Whiskey Jam memories? Early From Whiskey either, Jam you memories. Played it. Got you, a lot. Did you play it with Florida Georgia Line? I don't know if I did Whiskey Jam with FGL. I can't. I've, I've played Whiskey Jam a lot. Um, Ward, so Ward's one of my best buddies in yeah, town. To me, I, I call him the godfather of he like is. what I do with hosting writers' rounds and just being yep. that kind of staple in the community. That I call all stems I, from him. I look up to Ward as like the godfather. He is. He is. He's. He's the. He's the. He. He blows my mind. Like how many things he does, and he has four kids and a wife at home, and he has a happy home life and like and he still was able to go on vacation and like do the the bet be one of the best dads you'll ever see just a great dude all around and he's doing the apple music country stuff he's hosting the radio shows and doing everything yeah uh man i mean whiskey jam shit like we used to do before ryan and Marin had their record deals before they were dating or anything like we would do uh nights where it would be the two of them fronting and playing their songs and then, like, I would play bass. Joe Clemens and S.I.S. would play guitar. Phil or Miles would play drum. Like, and it would just be the homies. We'd do that stuff. I shot a music video way back in the day there. Um, like, people crowd surfing and shit. Like at, it, at Winners or at, Tin Roof? At Winners. Because you probably still remember Whiskey Jam being at Tin Roof. Like, I the do. early, early ones. Well, and that's where I met Ward when he was bartending at Tin Roof. And I was playing in the cover band. Like, like we go way back. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I've got a lot of memories at Whiskey Jam. Shit. A lot of them I can't remember. And yeah, that'll that'll happen. Yeah. Um, and you probably remember seeing different acts come up, like Cadillac Three, like you said, Marin and Ryan. Uh-huh. Just acts that for me, like, kind of really portray the the whiskey jam thing, where like they were coming up as whiskey jam yeah. was coming up, or like they were like staples within that. Or like David Nail, mm-hmm. um, late Lady A, like Charles Kelly, like that yep. whole crew just coming up through. Yeah, there. and I mean that like. It, it, it was. It's still such a backbone pillar of what we do here. I mean, like, you know, you still get you know Cameron Marlowe's and you know the stuff like that, like still going through Whiskey Jam. You know, guys that are up and coming and starting to really kill shit. Yeah. You know, so it's like Ward Ward has his thumb on the pulse better than anybody. 
and for so many years, for he's a still, long time, still yes. has it and all the stuff that he because he was out doing the, the guitar player thing too, yeah, right? He was with, right with and David, playing and with doing David Nail yeah. and selling merch, with Billy Currington and yep. doing yep. all that shit. It's wild, man. But uh, dude, I really appreciate you coming on Absolutely. and taking Thanks time out of your man. morning. So, so um, I made a record comes out February seventeenth. Yep, and then and, we we have yeah. Uh, what's up with the singles? I'm sure there's yep, singles coming. Hop on the phone. Look gotta look it up because I don't remember shit. Calendar. Okay, so the first single's out already. Make yeah. it last forever. Hell yeah. Go listen to that shit. Bops. Uh, the 21st of this month, we got another single coming out. I'll announce that soon. We'll have two more individual tracks coming out between now and uh, in the in the record. So there's gonna be like four Sick. singles, and then uh, and 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 then the record. And they're all they're all special. They all have something cool Sweet. about them. Um, you'll hear you'll hear some familiar voices on a couple of them Sweet. singing backgrounds, and you know it's it, it was definitely just we wanted to make something cool, so we just kept calling our cool friends that are doing cool shit, and they kept showing up and doing cool shit for my stuff. Hell yeah, you brother! Know? That's that's yeah. fucking awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on. This was yeah, a blast. Uh, where can people go to find all your stuff, or where does where does the um, what are the accounts that you're you're uh, on? But you're you're learning. You're getting better with the social I'm trying, media stuff. Man. Yeah. I'm posting shit. I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm on Instagram and TikTok. So think Joey Hyde on Instagram, Joey Hyde Music on TikTok, um, and then. All the DSPs, so Spotify, Apple, Amazon, YouTube, Pandora, all that shit. You can find Sick. the music. Just find me. Hell yeah, man. Well, you guys be sure to go and find our boy Joey Hyde. Uh, record coming out. I made a record coming out February 17th. He's got some music out now. He's got some more singles coming, so you'll be sure to follow our boy Joey Hyde. Uh, thank you guys, as always, for watching and listening to the In the Round podcast. Shout out to Sweet Boy behind the camera, um, our friends uh, from Whale Tail Media, Saxman Studios, um, our friend uh, Mitch Wallace with the Digital Marketing Agency, and our new friends from Pickle Jar. Be sure to uh, jump on picklejar.com, the world's biggest tip jar. Uh, you guys can go on there all of our artist friends download the app use promo code ITR when signing up y'all take it easy have a good one we'll see you next time this has been the In The Round Podcast